North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. Hello, welcome to Dr. Low Radio. I am Dr. Lauren Noel. So great to have you. Welcome to the show. If you are brand new, welcome, welcome. So great to have you. And if you're a repeat listener, welcome back. This is a very exciting episode for me because after over five years of doing my podcast, I have had no sponsors on the show because I've been, for one, super picky of who I wanted to feature on the show and also... I wanted it to be something that had a lot of quality to it. So today's the day. I'm super excited. I have my first official sponsor of the show, and that is Organifi. I wanted to give them a quick little plug. Organifi is my favorite powder form of juice, of green juice. And you guys have heard me on the show before, if you've been a listener, that our diets are not as healthy as we might think they are. Even if you're eating the best of the best food, the reality is you're not getting a lot of the micronutrients that you need just because our soil is depleted and just the process of transferring food to your plate. It takes a while to get to your plate. So the reality is there's not a ton of nutrition from what really what it should be looking like and what our bodies need. So I love this greens powder. I believe every single person should be on some sort of superfood greens every single day and I found something I really, really love. So Organifi has made this super good, it's a, it's a freeze dried, uh, greens powder that you just add water and you drink it down and that's you, your greens drink. And I love it. And for me, my gauge of taste, it's not me because I'm an naturopathic doctor and I could probably eat wood chips if it's healthy for me and I would, I would eat it. Um, but my brother is super anti-vegetables. I love you, bro. Um, <laughs> but he loves it. So that's the, the ultimate taste test. He's like anti-veggies and he drinks it every single day. So I love Organifi. Show your love over at Organifi.com. You can enter Dr. Lowe at checkout. That's D-R-L-O. And you get 20% off your purchase off the retail price. So that's Organifi.com. It's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Dot com. You enter Dr. Low, D-R-L-O at checkout and you get 20% off your price, off of retail price. You are welcome. I am very excited about this episode tonight because this is a topic so many of us deal with and I have done a good amount of thyroid shows uh, on previous episodes, but every guest brings a different perspective, different little nuggets that you guys can take from it. And if you know my story, this is very near and dear to my heart of my own personal story of coming to natural medicine was really born out of a thyroid problem. So really excited to dive into the topic tonight, all about thyroid, and it's from a primal paleo perspective. So with all that said, let's jump into the show. 
We have the amazing Elle Russ on the show. She is a writer, health, life coach, and host of the Primal Blueprint podcast, which I had the opportunity to be on recently. So now we get to do the flip side and have her on my show. She's becoming really the leading voice of thyroid health in the primal and ancestral health community. Uh, Elle has a BA in philosophy from the University of California at Santa Cruz, and she's a certified primal health coach. She, She sits on the advisory board of the Primal Health Coach Program created by Mark Sisson, which we had him on the show a bunch of times because he's so good and we love him. And he's the best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint. Elle is originally from Chicago and she now lives and plays in, in Malibu, so pretty close to us. She wrote the, the brand new book, The Paleothyroid Solution, after consulting with over two dozen endocrinologists, internal medicine docs, general practice MDs. So we'll definitely hear about her story with that because it's a very common story that people are dealing with. And of course, she was exacerbated and desperate and really needed to find solutions for herself. And that's what this story is about, is how she took charge of her health. And now she's paying it forward with her book. So Elle, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Well, first I have to say you are an amazing host. That was one of my favorite interviews. Oh, thank you. Of being <laughs> on, yeah, on the, the Primal Blueprint podcast. Super fun. So um, you definitely have a gift with that. <laughs> so good thank job. You. I love it. I'm sure you do too. It's so much fun just talking with people and getting to know about these, this stuff. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. And it's just such an amazing opportunity that we get to reach, you know, thousands and thousands of people with this information. And especially this story of, of the thyroid, it is so incredibly common. And I know so many people are going to really identify with your struggles and feel, you know, just really grateful that, that there's some answers that they can, they can use. And there's, there are options that a lot of people don't even know about. So really excited to dive into that with you. And so tell us a little bit of your story because we've done thyroid shows before, but every story is different and every solution can be different too. So give us a little bit of what your experience was like finding out you had thyroid problems and, you know, what are some of the things you tried before finding the solutions? Yeah, I tried. Oh my gosh, I tried so many things. And I think we all do when you're in this state because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And then you end up going online and doing research and going down some path that may not even be right for you. But essentially, um, I was extremely fit. I had the, I really embodied sort of the visual of, oh my gosh, that, that girl's fit, works out, she's looking good. I had, I had that totally going on now. In looking back, I can see that I achieved that through doing like low fat, low carb and chronic cardio and was always sort of starving. And and I thought that that's sort of the way it had to be if you wanted to achieve that body. You know, I know now differently that, you know, paleo primal living, you can achieve that as well and be satiated and not have to stress every three, you know, three hours about eating. But back then I was following conventional wisdom and I was working out a lot and I was suffering. And then one day... I got my period when I shouldn't have, and I thought I was 30 years old, and I never had you know perfect gynecological history through my family and, and all the women in my family, so I thought, well, that's weird. Um, kind of didn't think of anything about it, and then it happened again two weeks later, and it happened again. I went to the doctor, and all they kept doing at the time was putting me on the birth control pill. Now yeah. I know, of course, I would have been looking for the cause of it, but he did test my thyroid. He tested it incorrectly like a lot of infor- uninformed doctors do. They just test the TSH, which is not even a thyroid hormone, and it's a really 30, 40-year-old, uh, really kind of dumb protocol in order to assess thyroid status. And so they were only testing that, saying it was in range, saying at a closet eating disorder, hey, work out more and eat less. I'm like, I'm eating 800 calories a day and I'm working out two and a half hours a day. So, (laughs) So that can't be the problem. 
Then my gynecological stuff got even worse. I was misdiagnosed at one point with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is why I suggest if anyone has been diagnosed with that, get your thyroid checked properly because I, some people might say, well, well, did you have it? No, I didn't, but kind of, yes, I did. And here's what I mean by that. You will get something you otherwise would not have gotten if you're in a hypothyroid state. Mm-hmm. I have had perfect gynecological everything across the board since I've been optimized on thyroid hormone. But before then, things can really fall apart. And for a lot of women, it manifests itself gynecologically, either infertility, miscarriages, fibroids, you know, all these kind of complicated issues. And then they go to doctors and they're slapping a surgery or a pill or a Band-Aid or something on it and not looking and going, why is this 30-year-old with perfect gynecological history all of a sudden bleeding abnormally? Like, why didn't anyone ask that question? I didn't ask it either, mm-hmm. you know? So then I started to get extremely fat. And when I say that, I, I'm 5'2". I was about 16 17% body fat. That's athlete level. I was about 110 to 115 pounds. So tiny, small, athletic, killing it, and then literally went up to about 155, 160 at one point. And that was with working out two hours a day mm. and, and, and pretty much trying to starve myself because I didn't know what was happening. So I just blew up and it's, it was horrible. And then came an onslaught of over 30 thyroid symptoms from inner itching of the ears, skin thickening, puffy face, bloated, hair falling out, hair feeling rubber bandy or like straw, heavy legs. Um, I had restless legs. I had so many I had every classic issue related to hypothyroidism, which is usually low iron storage, low vitamin D, low B12, um, and adrenal fatigue, badly, twice in 10 years. So what happened was, is the first time around, um, I I was undiagnosed for two years. And I went to, and I live in Los Angeles, we have some of the best doctors, you know, some of the most incredible celebrity doctors here, and nobody was testing my thyroid correctly. And then it took me about $600 to go to some famous, you know, celebrity hormone doctor who just that cost, it, it, it was just the cost of the test to have someone say, oh, you are severely hypothyroid. And then many years later, um, I had another second problem, which is kind of on the rise now, called reverse T3. And um, I also solved both of these issues on my own without a doctor. Prescribing myself <laughs> thyroid hormone, doing my own blood work, I don't want anyone to have to do that. I shouldn't have had to do that. Right. I went to over 40, roughly 50, communicated with endocrinologists and doctors all throughout LA and Southern California, nobody would help me. Mm. So I was left in the dust by myself. And a lot of patients are. I shouldn't have had to go to this level and dose and, and, and fix myself, but I did. And I was successful twice, which is why I have a, you know, something to say about it. And as well, even though I'm not a doctor, I have an amazing functional medical doctor, uh, Dr. Gary Forsman, who is on my book. And if so, if someone's going, well, why should I believe her? She's just a patient. Number one, the best-selling thyroid books have been written by patients, not doctors, right. and that's because we know what, we're, you know what it's like. But I do have an amazing doctor on my book with an intense Q&A. And so if, you know, if someone's looking for something to go bring to their doctor or help educate their doctor, there's, there's a great Q&A with a doctor in my book that I think is really worthwhile. So I did it by myself, and that kind of threw me into being somewhat of an expert on it. And then I ran into so many people all over the world that – would bring up thyroid issues to me without me even mentioning it. And it kind of got to the point where I was like, you know what? I think I need to write a book, you know? Yeah. 
I'm so glad that you did. I mean, just putting that pain into that, that purpose and that passion. And it's, it's interesting how it seems like with this whole thyroid movement, it's almost like this grassroots movement of pissed off, frustrated patients who didn't get the, the kind of help they needed. I mean, that's how it's, yeah. you know, stop the thyroid madness started. And, you know, Isabel, Which, by the way, I want to say one of the best books ever, one of the, the best thyroid website I've ever seen in my life. And I suggest that to everyone. And that yeah. woman, Janie Bothorp, who wrote that book, she saved my life mm. because she created a Yahoo group called the Natural Thyroid Hormone Yahoo group. And those moderators helped me help myself when I was doing it alone. Wow. So I have the most utmost respect for her and her book. And it's amazing. And everyone who's got a thyroid issue should also have that on their shelves. Yeah, absolutely. And the other book I recommend for most of my patients is uh, Hashimoto's Thyroiditis by Isabella Wentz. I mean, it's, it's an amazing book. And she, you know, she's not a doctor. She's a pharmacist who was learning about this stuff because she was struggling so much herself. And it's just another example of, of someone who had that painful experience and, you know, figured it out themselves and then put it into their, to their writing. So I, I love it. I think it is so powerful. And what it's doing is it's, it's, it's pressuring doctors to learn this stuff better and to find solutions that are actually working for people. Yeah. I mean, I just spoke with someone from South Africa today who, <laughs> you know, she said, you know, I was reading your book and I felt like the book was written for me. And a lot of people have said that because again, if you're going through this, I've been through it. There's going to be common elements and themes here, but this woman from South Africa had an endocrinologist literally say what I mentioned in the book with so many patients here, which is, well, you're just going to have to work out more and eat less. Yeah. It's not your thyroid. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, or discounting blood tests and saying, oh, give me a break. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of people are getting patronized by doctors. And I, I want to just throw out this element of it, though, too, which is something that, you know, I admit in my book. And I think it's time for people to step up here. First of all, no matter what problem you have, if you persevere down that path, you're going to find an answer. Yeah. You know, so you got to keep persevering. But the other part of it is patient responsibility. 99.999% of every person I talk to who is currently on thyroid hormone, whether they're doing well or not, has no idea how the thyroid works. They don't even know the hormone they're taking and they have no idea what it does, what it is. That to me is unacceptable, folks, right? You got to get, got to step up there and learn about this. Don't just have doctors go, oh, you have high thyroid problem. Here's Synthroid. See you later. And then you're like, okay, just, I guess I'll take this. Now I've been guilty of that myself. And I went down a path that could have been corrected a lot sooner had I asked questions, had mm -hmm. I done more research. But we try and we put our health in the hands of a doctor, which is the biggest mistake. And I'm sure you yeah. know with your patients in your practice, because your, your level of treatment is extensive time with patients that an HMO doctor with 15 minutes obviously can't handle. You're, you're comprehensive, but I'm assuming as well, too, that the patients that do the best with you are the ones that are compliant. They're, mm. they're on top of it. They're following what you say. They're checking in. Maybe they're doing their own research and following their own gut over here. And, but you need a participator. You can't yes. just go to a doctor and expect they're going to just give you a prescription. They'll give you the birth control pill to control the bleeding, which is what they did to me. And I bled through four different birth control pills. Wow. Wow. Now, had I caught it before I even took the first pill and just gone to the right doctor and got tested, they would have been like, holy crap, you're hypothyroid. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. I, I'm looking for a participant. And I have a, a question on every intake form that says, what's your willingness to make changes? And it's from one to five. And if anyone scores below a four on that, I won't even take them as a patient because it's going to be a waste of my time and their time. If they're not willing to make changes and to be a participant, then it's just not going to work. So I love it. You said I like that. that. That's really smart. Yeah. It's like, come on, let's just filter, filter through this a little bit. So I'm curious because of course, hindsight's 2020, you can see so much looking back and seeing how all these different, you know, all the 
the different dominoes that fell. So if you could look back, what do you think was contributing to you getting a thyroid problem in the first place? There's a couple of factors that could have affected it. I found out a couple of years later that I had a selenium deficiency mm -hmm. through taking the spectrocell test. So that could have been an issue and it could have been a second issue in my reverse T3 problem, which is, you know, is a conversion issue. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that that's one. Number two, I over-exercised. I did chronic cardio, which is, you know, sustainable every day over 75% of my max heart rate. A uh, lot of cortisol output there, a lot of adrenal stuff. I was a cigarette smoker. Mm -hmm. this, they say sometimes that can affect, you know, uh, the pituitary signal, the TSH. So that could be a factor. And even though I wasn't eating a ton of grains, I was very hypoglycemic. Mm -hmm. because of the eating every two, three hours deal. So that could have absolutely affected adrenals slash uh, thyroid. And um, the iron stores didn't get low. To, the, the, here's the other component, and I, I'm still a swimmer, but I swam in a chlorinated pool every day for about 20 minutes. Now, mm -hmm. you know, we know chlorine is anti-thyroid. Could, could that plus the smoking plus my lifestyle? I mean, all, all of them probably contributed. But I will say I really believe it was the over-exercising and the low-fat, low-carb existence in that roller coaster of blood sugar, you know, management that went throughout uh, as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So in looking back, if I knew what I know now, I would have absolutely adopted a strict paleo primal protocol, would have really chilled out on some exercise or at least my heart rate while doing it. Um, I certainly would have supplemented with things and checked certain levels that I didn't know about. Um, so yeah, but you know, you you know, I was 30, it was fit. I wasn't even taking a vitamin every day. I was just like, whatever, you know? Yeah. So, um, but for someone who was that active, I probably should have been looking into that. So, you know, knowing what I know now, I would have, I, I probably could have prevented it. Not one person in my family has a thyroid issue, mm. uh, or a metabolic issue. So now oftentimes it does run in families and I'm sure you've seen that, especially actually people from the Midwest. Yeah. Um, uh, the goiter belt, they used to call it, you know, a lot of people from the Midwest have it because selenium and iodine was so depleted from our soils not being near the coast. So that that was a problem that's been around for a while there. Hashimoto's, as you know, can really run in families. But for the most part, mine was sort of out of nowhere. And, you know, I wish I could go back in time. Mm, right. <laughs> uh, but now I'm, uh, I'll spend a life on thyroid hormone replacement, which is <laughs> you can live a wonderful life that way too. There is nothing. And I want to put that out there. There's a lot of people that are like, I don't want to have to go on thyroid hormone. I don't want to, even if they really have to. And granted, you can do your best to protocol yourself out of that. Absolutely. People have been very successful at having a thyroid issue, adopting all of these protocols. And then, you know, eight weeks later, 16 weeks later, they've got normal labs. They're feeling good again. Mm -hmm. You know, that can be just from someone starving themselves and under eating and the body sees that as a, a, a starvation situation and lowers thyroid hormone. It doesn't want you to become hypermetabolic. It doesn't want you to burn fat. That could have been part of my low carb, low calorie thing was not only just the over exercising, but the starvation signal, like the primal perspective on my body going, whoa, 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 she's not getting enough nutrition. Let's not let her burn any more fat. Right. And furthermore, let's take this down a notch because we don't, you know, which a lot of runners or marathon runners will occasionally get a reverse T3 problem that way. So, you know, there's a lot of factors there. Um, 
but for the most part, I think like it was just the lifestyle essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the body is really smart. It's that it, it was conserving its fuel and its resources because you were burning it all or not giving enough of those resources to the body. And, and so the body's going to respond by turning things down and, and being in preservation mode. So it makes a lot of sense. And, and yes, yeah, maybe you want to go back and change things you could have done, but at the same time, you wouldn't have this amazing book and be helping, you know, thousands of people. So it's, it's all meant to be. So um, you know, I'm glad you went through it and I'm sure yeah. it wasn't fun to go through it, but. No, but, but I also want to throw that out there to everyone. And I know you know this too, which is anyone suffering from anything, I'm telling you, it can be one of the biggest gifts. I will never take this back. Not because I wrote a book about it. I was already a writer and I mean, I had other projects going on and I'm, you know, so, never intended on writing a nonfiction health book, but at the end of the day, it was really the, one of the best things that ever happened to me for a variety of reasons. I used to be judgmental against fat people. Yeah, I'm gonna admit it. I, I'm so glad that I got smacked in the face with this because when I see someone that's very overweight or riddled with acne or looks bloated and unhealthy, my first reaction now is extreme empathy mm-hmm. and just the thought of like, oh, I hope they find out what's up with them. Yeah, you know, right? And before it was like, oh God, stop eating. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not, I mean, not like I was a total bitch before. I mean, <laughs> you know, but, but I'm just saying I, I, in that fit world and I'm 43 now, so that was, you know, 13 years ago. But when I was in that body and I, w- I achieved that, you know, then you look at other people and you go, well, you're just not trying hard enough. Yeah. Right. And then I got really fat and then I got judged. Right. And that hurt horribly. In fact, I got judged right in front of my face. I was talking with a couple of people and, uh, they were saying, oh, you know, I don't feel great unless I work out every day. I got to work out. And the other person said, yeah, me too. And I chimed in and I go, yeah, me too. If I don't work out every day, I, I just don't feel right. Mm. And one person rolled their eyes at the other like, yeah, right, she works out. Whoa. That was a horrible moment. Yeah. Because I was very fat and bloated wearing sweatpants at that point because I could – I had a thyroid problem. I was undiagnosed and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I still worked out every day, which I would never advise for anyone to do that will – set back your progress. And that's the thing too you want to throw out. When you're gaining weight and you're gaining weight and you can't control it, your natural instinct is to work out, to work out, to work out. And if anything, to try to stay ahead of it, right? Like two steps forward, one step backward, you know, you, you're trying to like stay ahead of it. But at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're exhausting the adrenals and you're going to make the progress to health slower and possibly detrimental. So I'm curious, what does your workout routine look like now? How, how much are you working out? How long? What's that look like? Well, I do exercise every day to some capacity. Uh, the lightest day would just be like a long walk, you know, if I just kind of feel lazy. Um, for the most part, though, I, I do about an hour every day. Sometimes, like, I'll take a long hike and do, like, in a weekend, do it two hours. But sometimes what I'll do is I'll just go to the track. I might even walk it for 15 minutes and then do, like, one leg of the track, a little slow joggers, you know, maybe I'll do that for an hour and then I'll go, you know, to the gym and do some sit-ups. I, I only lift really light weights. Um, I'm not saying everyone shouldn't, I just have some tendonitis. So for me, weightlifting, like with my arms is a little, like I don't do crazy stuff and I'm a swimmer. I still swim. Um, and I swim about a couple miles a week, probably in a pool. Um, so I'm a swimmer. I hike regularly. Like yesterday I went on an hour hike with a friend. Then I went to the gym for 20 minutes and like, then I was done. But then later on the afternoon, if I'm really feeling it, like I might take a, a 10 minute swim, just a quick stretcher outer, you know? So some people might be like, oh, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of, it's really not in the grand scheme of a day, you know? Um, but I don't do anything. Like you used to do so much more than that too. So that's, that's also, it's all relative as well. 
Yeah, totally. And I also, I, I, I invested in a, you know, heart rate monitor watch and I really had to check myself when I first started this paleo lifestyle and, and getting into this because I was just hauling ass up the mountain. I was, you know, I was just of that mindset again of the harder you go, the faster you sweat, the worse it feels, then the better the results. Right. And that is so wrong. <laughs> so I had to really train myself. And so now when I go hiking with friends and stuff, if people start, to, I go, hey, listen, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not doing that. I'm going at a slow pace. And if you don't want to hike with me, that's fine. Or you can blaze ahead of me, but I am not rocking up this hill at over 75% of my max heart rate. Not doing it. I don't want to burn glucose. I want to burn fat. Mm-hmm. I so I definitely made those adjustments on the heart rate monitor. I was never a huge runner or anything like that anyway, but people who do that really have to dial it back or go a little bit slower so that they're not continually, you know, supporting a sugar burning lifestyle, which is what that would do chronically. Right. Especially if that, if your body's in that conservation mode, it's trying to hold on to resources, you add more of that running on top of it and it's just going to get worse. So, so I think timing is really key and, and gradual, like you said, in working with your body. And so let's let's jump into some more solutions. So your book is full of solutions and especially, you know, having it more from a, a, a paleo approach, which I love. And I think that makes that's one feature about your book that's really unique to a lot of other thyroid books that I've seen. So what is it about the paleo diet that helps with thyroid hormone production? Well, I detail a lot of it in my book, but essentially in my opinion, the, the, the ding, 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 like light that went off on the connection here. Well, A, I would just have to say, I, I believe paleo primal ancestral is absolutely in line with our DNA. So on a scientific level, like I see that matching that perfectly, but how it relates to thyroid, a couple of reasons. Number one, paleo primal lifestyle. If you become a fat burner, or we say sometimes fat adapted, um, that is the ultimate in blood glucose management. And so when you don't have those ups and downs throughout the day, you're not tapping into those adrenals. It's not considered a stress and it's not inflammatory, right? So there's that part that kind of helps with the adrenal aspect there with the blood glucose management. The other is the lifestyle part, right? You know, the just a chronic cardio existence can, can screw somebody into a, a thyroid issue or another health issue. So that was about dialing it back and really only doing maybe one day of week of a little sprint or a high intensity session. But for the most part, it was like I told you, getting the heart rate monitor, making sure that I was dialing it back. For example, I was doing hot yoga at 1.6 days a week because I figured, oh, well, listen, you're sweating. It's 99 degrees. I'm going to torch this fat off my body immediately. I can't wait for this. And then I got fatter around the middle. And I was like, okay, high adrenals. I guess this is wrong. And then I read Mark Sisson's book, The Primal Blueprint, and um, (laughs) realized I was really doing chronic cardio and and overtaxing my adrenals. So I think that lifestyle component there is important. And then there's the diet part. Um, There were a lot of things that were causing me issues. Grains. I thought whole grains were healthy. I would have some brown rice bowls with fish and vegetables thinking that was healthy. And yet had a bloated gut. I noticed I started to get horrible gas and gut issues at one point. Um, And this was after I was already optimized on thyroid hormone. So here's the thing, like I felt great the second time I had beat my reverse T3 issue. I, I got on the right amount of thyroid hormones and I'm feeling great in every way, but I couldn't lose weight. I had become insulin resistant and that's another reason to go paleoprimal. Since it's a high fat, moderate protein, low carb, you know, kind of lifestyle or any caveman hunter gatherer uh, lifestyle is it, it really, I I had to go that route. A lot of hypothyroid patients, especially if you've been undiagnosed for a while, 
And because when you have no thyroid hormone, then your adrenals are going nuts. You're craving sugar. It's extremely hard to exercise willpower with food when you're hypothyroid. So a lot of people indulge and you become insulin resistant, not just because of the food, but because of the metabolic issues going on. So that was the book I couldn't find I wanted to read. Like, yeah, that's great. There's lots of books that can tell me how to fix my thyroid with medication. That's cool. But I can't lose this weight. I'm working out every day. I'm doing hot yoga. I'm hiking. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. What the hell's going on here? And it wasn't until I read Mark's book and really got into it that I was like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's also really applicable is because so not just the blood glucose adrenal situation that's that's helpful, the lifestyle, not taxing yourself there, and also the proper amount of sleep and nutrition we talk about you know, fun, play, making sure you get enough sleep. Um, But it really is that other component of just um, some of the technical diet things that can really, people don't know how then, how do I lose this weight, damn it, that I gained. And it's Mm -hmm. pretty insidious weight. It's like brutal fat kind of stuff, you know, especially if you've been undiagnosed for a while. And the only way to really zap that is this. And the other thing too is grains trigger Hashimoto's. We know that that is, it's definitely one of the triggers. So if anyone has autoimmune Hashimoto's, eliminating grains, even pseudo grains, all grains, even corns, corn, corn glutens, et cetera, that can really, it's not that someone couldn't reintroduce it later, but that has, I've seen so much amazing success with people who, and this is what people don't understand, and maybe you have the same situation with some of your Hashimoto's patients, which is if you're treated right and you're feeling great, that still doesn't mean the antibodies should be high and out of out of the park. You may not feel the rise and fall of the antibodies, but they need to be kept in check. Yeah. So I had a friend who had Hashimoto's for years, treated well, feeling great, but her her antibodies were at like three, four hundred all the time. Her and her doctor didn't realize there was anything you could actually do about that. So then when I, you know, relate, she's one of the success stories in my book. I related the information from Dr. Forsman and all the stuff about grains. She got really strict about it, and her antibodies dropped down to 25. Wow. And, you know, for the people out there listening, if you don't know, the presence of antibodies equals inflammation. You do not want them there, and you want to try your hardest to get them to undetectable levels, which is totally possible. So that's another reason for the paleo primal way of life. It's because that's so supporting thyroid naturally because grains are not involved there. Therefore, they're not going to be a trigger. I mean, there's other triggers for some people, but you know what I mean? So... I guess hopefully that answered a little triad of why maybe paleo primal for uh, sure. Well, it, I have a question that comes <laughs> off of that, and that's the topic of carbs because there's there's definitely some confusion out there about right. how much carbs is okay and and you know is paleo the same thing as ketogenic and and so and I've seen in my practice that it, for for women especially if they go too low carb I've seen that that can slow down the thyroid. So just curious if you can speak on that and and also do you talk about that in your book as well? I, I, you know what, on that one, I didn't, it was almost like I, there were so many topics I wanted to cover and I didn't, uh, well, I go through the different like keto and different carb levels and, mm-hmm. you know, different pie charts of what, you know, a keto paleo uh, day would look like in terms of macros versus regular. So let me just start off by saying, you know, when we talk about like, at least Mark with the primal blueprint, essentially the rule is less than 150 a day. And again, 150 carbs a day for a woman would be like, 
athlete level. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if you're not an athlete and you're not even really working out that much, or even if you just do an hour a day, if you're a woman and you're a small woman, you know, meaning like you're maybe under five, seven or something, I'm thinking you got to hang around a hundred total carbs a day. And then you would just down or up from there, depending, you know, but again, if you want to lose weight or you think you're insulin resistant, you got to go lower. I had to go much lower. Now, there is a conversation, like you said, where people are saying, low carb is bad for thyroid, right? You you go too low carb, it throws off thyroid. Well, here's a couple of nuances to that. It may, on on lab work, reduce the levels of thyroid hormones. So on, on, on labs, it can look like that. I'm not saying those patients that came to you weren't hypothyroid either, but causing thyroid problems, not so much. I would beg to argue that those patients had other things that were off too that could be contributing to that. It could do that, but here's what I've noticed. It feels like your body in general, the lower carb and more calorically efficient you get, the less thyroid hormone you need, the less energy you need to process all of what's happening in the body. So I'm not willing to say low carb causes hypothyroidism because it doesn't in a lot of people. It can Perhaps it has shown up that way, but I would be curious to see if other things weren't going on in that person. Like, you you can't just go paleo and expect to fix a thyroid problem. You might have low vitamin D, low iron storage, horrible adrenals. All of those things relate to how well your own thyroid hormones work anyway. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're still hypoglycemic and a sugar burner, in which case maybe the thyroid hormones you're pumping out are not being metabolized properly. So just because someone has a good output of thyroid hormone doesn't mean it's being metabolized properly and getting into the cells and doing its job. Mm -hmm. So there might be something there. That is sort of a gray area, what you bring up with this low-carb area. So I think people are still discovering it. Like Jimmy Moore and Keto Clarity talked about how it may show up on the labs that way, but then it resolves and the person does another reset and they don't have hypothyroid symptoms. Again, I don't think extremely low-carb causes hypothyroidism, but I'm not saying it couldn't. I just don't know that it's a blanket answer because for a lot of people, it absolutely doesn't for for tons of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So in those situations, I would be like wanting to look at other things that might have been off. If someone came to you and they end up being hypothyroid because they went too low carb, I'd be curious to see, well, was everything else optimized in their life? And that was, you know, know, like, how do we pinpoint what was the cause of that? Yeah, I think it's a good point you brought up. And What I do in those situations is I may have them up carbs just a teeny bit and see at what point is it that that they feel best because everybody's ideal carb amount is different. So I think it's good to start with a with a set amount, see how you feel, and then just maybe, you know, tinker going up or down from there and see what happens. And then I love that you brought up the the adrenals, because I I do see that that's a, 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 you know, a common pattern with with those who who maybe, you know, the carbs could be a little low for them, depending on how their adrenals are looking. And, um, and so yeah, so those are important. And then sometimes for, for the ladies, I'll have them cycle, where I'll have them do low carb for two, three days, and maybe I'll do one high carb, you know, dinner a couple times a week. And just I, helping, I love that. Yeah, idea. yeah. So that's something that's actually worked very nicely for a lot of my female patients. The other thing on adrenals, so there's a camp of people that say if you have adrenal fatigue, then you have to eat every two, three hours, or you have you can't fast. Then there's another camp that says. Actually, if you have adrenal issues, uh, you shouldn't, you should, you, ha- you should go low carb as a result of that. So again, there's like two areas, kind of gray areas there. I personally am, am carb intolerant. I actually did genetic testing too that said I had an extremely low tolerance for carbohydrates and I'm mm. not surprised. I feel it. In fact, I will feel 
kind of hungover if I have too much sugar in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not, Which does company not, was that? What company? Uh, the, the, you said you did genetic testing. Oh, um, I did 23andMe and then I also did DNA Fit. Okay, cool. Had them evaluate all of that. Uh, and I found some other interesting things in there too, like uh, something that correlated with an experience of mine, which was a gene mutation that said I would probably have an issue processing foods high in sulfur. Mm -hmm. And that was a real light bulb for me because I will literally projectile vomit if I have too much garlic. Mm -hmm. I don't do well with broccoli. And I have found that eggs are not great, even though I've eaten them most of my life. I have discovered that, you know, as I started to clean up my diet, I would feel a little bit gross after eating eggs. Like nothing allergic-y, but sort of a, uh, I just want this to digest and be over with. And so, you know, I, I eliminated that from my life. So again, I think there's like lots of great different I did food sensitivity tests. I mean, you know, I did everything to see, you know, do all that you can do. Um, But the carb thing, I also became insulin resistant, by the way, in my last bout of hypothyroidism. So that was something, you know, if you do have that, then you kind of don't have a choice but to go lower carb. Um, I personally feel best when I'm below 50 a day. That doesn't mean that I don't have a, like you said, a one day a week carb blowout, you know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I think that, and also too, depending on how much activity you're doing, if you're doing a hard workout that day, maybe doing extra carbs would be a good fit for you. Whereas if you're doing maybe just some, you know, chill walking and then, then having that a bit lower. So I think, you know, changing it based on your activity is also smart too. So I'm, I'm curious going into diet a bit, a bit more. I, I'm a big believer in food as medicine. I know that's something you also believe as well. So what are some, some really great foods? If those, those people are dealing with hypothyroidism, what are some, some foods that they can add into their, to their diets? Well, anything rich in selenium, you know, and I'm sure you recommend selenium for people on thyroid hormone. If you're on thyroid hormone right now, whether you're feeling good or not, you should incorporate 200 to 400 micrograms of selenium into your life so that you can keep that conversion healthy. Um, anything rich in selenium, you know, uh, sardines or Brazil nuts or take a supplement. Um, Clearly, I think sunshine's important, but you know, I was vitamin D deficient even though I was in the sun two hours a day. So uh, I think people who just think, oh, well, I'm in the sun all the time, I'm fine. That's that's not necessarily an indicator of good vitamin D status. Um, I They say, again, this is a, another gray area, or not necessarily totally gray, but raw cruciferous vegetables. I'm sure you've heard this one as being sort of anti-thyroid. And so they say if you cook it, it's different. For the most part, if it's worrisome or you're trying to get over a thyroid problem naturally, I probably would stay away from raw cruciferous vegetables, might as well, um, and and go for some other choices there. Uh, so that's kind of that discussion because a lot of people – someone said, oh, well, your list in your book included you know, broccoli and some of these things. And I was like, well – Maybe maybe the next edition I'll put a note in there about this, which I didn't in the first one, but that, that would be my note. It's like, well, stay away if you feel it's it might be an issue or just for the hell of it, just in case it is. I don't know. I don't know what you've what research you've done on that exact subject with raw cruciferous vegetables, but I know that that's just a big topic within the thyroid community about should I or shouldn't I or you can eat them, but you should have them cooked. And I'm kind of like, look, if you're going to try to naturally resolve a thyroid problem, get rid of them. For a while. The way I see it is I think that there are some really amazing health benefits of the cruciferous family. So I, what I do is I actually had a patient the other day. She had been adding raw 
uh, cauliflower to her smoothies every day because it, it made her have this. She liked the consistency of the smoothies, and she couldn't taste it. And it's a way for her to get more veggies. And I, I just really praised her for that effort of getting more veggies in there. But she does have an underactive thyroid, so with her, I'm having her steam them before she puts it in her smoothie. But if she's doing some raw here and there, I don't think it's a big deal. It's just if it's right. every single day she's putting raw cauliflower in her smoothie, that might become an issue. So I think it really just comes down to having it in, in moderation. And, um, but there are some amazing, you know, estrogen clearing and detoxing effects of broccoli and, and so, or the broccoli Great. family. So, you know, so I think it's important to see things for the healing benefits they are, but, but not doing something in a huge excess every single day that could throw off your physiology. That's how I see it. Right. And I know you're going to be a fan of this comment, which is, and I'm actually doing it right now just for the hell of it, because I haven't done one for a while, which is, you know, do a nice detox. Yes. Yes. And I've seen detoxes resolve thyroid symptoms without doing anything specifically for the thyroid. I mean, the thyroid is very sensitive to toxicity. And I think that is a huge reason why thyroid issues develop in the first case for, for in the first situation for many people because of uh, the toxin exposure, whether it's heavy metals, whether it's pesticides. And, you know, we talked about this a bit on, on other shows, but it's, it really is a big issue that isn't looked at. I mean, a lot of my thyroid patients, they have a mouthful of silver fillings. And so it's, it's so it's, glad you yeah, brought that up. Close you got to the thyroid. Remove you know? mercury, yeah. like metal fillings is one big component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also looking at, like you said, the spectra cell testing, I run that test on every patient. And, um, I think it's a very reliable test. Um, and so when it comes to thyroid, there's selenium is huge. Like you said, glutathione is a big one too. So if I see yeah, especially with Hashimoto's patients, yep, right? So I'll be yeah. working on that. I, for a lot of my Hashimoto's patients, I'll have them rub a glutathione cream directly to their thyroid. That can Ooh. help to detox directly and help lower antibodies. It's been really effective for that. That's amazing. So, yeah, so that's one I'll do. And then, um, you know, the, the different B vitamins. How's your B12? How's your folate? Um, how's your B2? All these different nutrients are super important for the thyroid. And also your iron levels. That's, that's huge. That's right. a really big cause of low thyroid is, is anemia. It, it is. And I want to say that I had that in conjunction. Like a lot of thyroid patients, when they're just that far gone like I was, Yeah, it's a, it's a three-pronged strategy. It's treating the adrenals getting the ferritin storage up and also getting on the thyroid hormone or fixing that. Now you don't have to take thyroid hormone to optimize those two things. But since we're talking about it to everyone out there, you can go get tested on your own for 50 bucks even and assess your ferritin, which is iron storage. And it should be between like 50 and 90 or 50 and a hundred. Mm-hmm. If it's not, that's a consideration because low ferritin absolutely mimics hypothyroid symptoms like brain fog, depression, hair loss, uh, Hair mm-hmm. loss and also weird sexual stuff changes, weird mm-hmm. things going on with either sex drive or even the um, consistency of your vaginal fluid, mm-hmm. I noticed. Um, not even a uh, loss of strength of orgasm even mm-hmm. was, was one of those things I noticed uh, with that. Heavy legs, restless legs. I had horrible restless legs when my ferritin was at 10, which was at the bottom of the range of 10 to 150. So no matter how much, you know, and that's, here's the thing that everyone needs to know too. You can be pummeled with thyroid medication by any doctor, but if these underlying things aren't there to support that thyroid hormone getting to where it needs to go, it's a waste of time and money and you're just hurting yourself. Yeah. So, so yeah, ferritin is so important. And I'm on the B12 issue. When I did the spectrocell, not only did I have a selenium deficiency, I had a B12 deficiency and I had a coenzyme Q10 deficiency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and again, I, DHEA, sulfate, that's another one. I mean, I'm sure you see a lot of it low in people. That's often low in hypothyroid patients because their adrenal status sucks. I've had low DHEA twice, and I can say that 
it is a world of difference when you get DHEA optimized either naturally, you know, or supplementing it. Mm-hmm. Especially for sex drive too. That's a big one for, for libido. Right, because it's the precursor, you know, precursor to all of the sex hormones. And, you know, even with men, like men who are, you know, older men trying to get their wives pregnant. Or um, I had a friend who was like 40-something and noticed that they were waking up without a erection every morning and which is not necessarily a good thing for, for guys yeah. if it's chronic and we tested his DHA and it was like at the very bottom of the range he had a very stressful three four years divorce all sorts of stuff and all it took was DHA and I think within like a few weeks he was like oh my gosh I'm waking up with erections again like well that yeah. says something doesn't it that means something's going on in the right direction absolutely so let's say for patients listening or, or listening, I'm so used to calling people patients, but for our listeners. <laughs> I think we're um, all patients, right? We're all patients, totally. So let's say they've gone to, a, to their doctor recently. The doctor said you have hypothyroidism and they just want to prescribe a medication. And, and you know maybe they want to look at doing some things on their own. Um, or if someone's listening who hasn't gone to their doctor, they may suspect they're having issues. What are like maybe three things they can start doing now that can help their thyroid just to give some real practical takeaways? Well, I think selenium right away. Selenium, mm-hmm. vitamin D, and checking the ferritin right away. Those three things are key in the B12. Um, and again, these are things people can even do sort of on their own. You know, mm-hmm. and B12 should be around uh, six to nine hundred, six to eight hundred ish. You know, if it's if it's like two hundred, that's not necessarily great. Um, vitamin D between seventy and ninety. So these are things like um, you could go to private MD labs or direct labs and just go pay and go down the street, get it tested without a doctor, and, and kind of take a look at those things. Mm-hmm. Um, getting rid of all grains and, and sugar and inflammatory uh, food components. Absolutely. Inflammation. You don't, you don't need to deal, put that into your body when it's probably already in a somewhat inflammatory state. So I'd adopt a strict paleo uh, lifestyle protocol, you know, and anyone can either read my book or you can even go to the Primal Blueprint and, or Mark's Daily Apple and take a look around and get a lot of free information on what does that mean? What's that food list? What does it mean to be fat adapted? Um, chilling out on the exercise, making sure you're not overdoing it with going too much over 75% of your max heart rate for extended periods of time on a regular basis. Cause that, like you said, will throw off the adrenals. So I think just like sleep lifestyle, cleaning out the diet, obviously going to someone like you and, or other functional medicine, integrative people who understand the various components to this. Yeah. Like for example, I, after my last bout of hypothyroidism, Still had, I had residual candida issues. I had Epstein Barr stuff affecting my brain. And, you know, that can mimic itself as hypothyroidism, where you're like, oh, am I not on enough medication? Maybe, well, no, you're on the right amount of medication. You've just got these other things you have to clean up. So, gut health is really important, as you know, because not only conversion happens partially in the gut, but other issues, leaky gut, inflammation, a lot of hypothyroid patients because they have such low amounts of hydrochloric acid. It's hard to digest food. There's often gut issues. So, you know, whether that's a probiotic and oregano one week out of that month, you know, uh, that's what I did. I switched up my probiotics every month and I took a couple of drops of oregano P73, like for one week out of that month. And I, I killed that candida and just nipped it and my brain and everything opened up. The other, um, component that I had was I had extremely low serotonin and it, it, my doctor literally was like, you have the serotonin levels of someone who is stressed out and up all night long, which is not the case. I sleep great. I'm not stressed. I actually have a really lovely lifestyle. So what I did for that was I took 5-HTP for literally maybe only five weeks. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I noticed a major difference. Big and you, time. And you didn't need to stay on it. 
so far so good. I mean, right. I haven't gotten the serotonin retested. I will, but I can tell you a big difference in serotonin has everything to do with appetite and other issues. So there could be something internally that's hurting you with cravings and you think you're crazy and you think you're an overeater. And I want to just throw that out there to everyone struggling with food issues because the biggest success stories we have at Primal Blueprint or anyone who tries Paleo Primal Ancestral, doesn't matter what, you know, it's Rob Wolf's book or whoever it is that you're looking to for this information. It is to me the only thing that cut every food obsession and addiction I had. I thought I had something wrong with me. I was literally considering going to Overeaters Anonymous. I thought, why do I have this problem? I was thinking about food all the time. And you get this stuff cleared up and it's a whole new world of freedom. It's like, I just, that's the, I'm happiest about that, to be honest with you, you know, because that is a daily, hourly, horrible struggle mm-hmm. when you're a food addict and you're a sugar addict and you're in that world and you don't think it could ever end and then you try something and it keeps coming back. And that's where the candida and the serotonin and all those kind of things, right, can can be hurting you or help hindering your progress to get over that food addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with the 5-HTP, I do want to say this because I, obviously I don't want anyone to just go out and take it. But um, I was told to take it in the evening. I sleep great. I had insomnia when I took it in the evening, okay, mm-hmm. like for the first time in my life. So I was like, okay, that that's not working for me. So then I tried it during the day. Then after like four weeks, I was so exhausted, like all day. And I was like, what is up? I am just done. So I looked up online and some there was an article about where they were talking about if you experience after being on 5-HTP for a while that you are exhausted like this, that means you're tapped, you're filled up, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of one thing I noticed. Like, I'm glad I didn't continue on that road and I was taking a low dose because for me, maybe that was all that it took to kind of tap up and fill up those resources. But I did notice a difference in my outlook. I noticed a difference in energy. And I got to tell you, some food cravings dissipated immediately. So again, these were all discovered by an organic acids test and things that only functional MDs and people like you understand how to do and evaluate. So. Yeah have the money and the time it's worth it there is no your health is priceless mm-hmm. and you know? we've done so i'm remembering back we, we did a show with julia ross on the mood cure and so we talked a bit of, more about neurotransmitters and uh, amino acids if you guys are wanting to learn more and also with um we did the anti-anxiety food solution with trudy scott so both of those we dive a bit deeper into this but i think it's a it's an important area to look at if there's ongoing mood issues or like you said, lots of food cravings and just having a hard time nipping that in the bud, well, maybe you need to look into some of the brain chemistry things. So those are other shows. Uh, we can put those in the show notes for you guys to to refer to. But I love that. I think that's that's key. And I love what you said too, is you you got to the point where you didn't need it anymore. You just needed to fill those those stores up. And and so, you know, I think it's a, it's a great example of if you do need to go on something, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be on it forever, but it's just helping to address some of those underlying imbalances. Right. And also on that note too, I did it intuitively. Like, look, I love the doctor on my book. He's wonderful. And I'm sure you have patients to do this too. You might suggest, I'd like you to take this many milligrams. Well, as a patient, you have to go, well, uh, go with your vibe. Like for me, I was told to take maybe 200 milligrams of HTP. And I was like, "Ah, I'm feeling weird about this thing. I don't know what to do. So uh, I'm going to start off with 50. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, you just, you you still have to. And then I got tired after five weeks. And instead of calling my doctor, I just did my own research and was like, oh, okay, I see. I'm actually having this. That looks like this kind of thing. I'm going to stop taking it. 
And so, you know, and again, that's something I relate to my doctor is information for him to impart on his patients or, you know, I didn't need to call him for that. He might have told me that himself. But you also have to intuitively, you know, go along this process because that exhaustion I felt after the five weeks of the five HGP was not right. Yeah. It was clearly like I was done, mm-hmm. you know? So, so again, but I mean, I thought it was the most, one of the most beneficial things I, I've taken in terms of supplementation. Mm-hmm. Well, I love this. And I think that especially like I hear so much with this interview is just being responsible, understanding your body, doing some of the research to understand how your body's working and, and how there's miraculous outcomes that can come out of doing that and doing that work. So thank you for being such an amazing example of what we can aspire to, to, you know, reaching for that next level for our health and not taking, uh, you know, a a negative diagnosis as an answer or a no, no diagnosis when we know that there's something going on, but keeping to look for, for, um, you know, for answers. And, and like you said, if you persevere down that road, you're going to find some solutions. So thank you for all the blood, sweat and tears. And it's something that's going to help so many people. So I just really wouldn't want to acknowledge you for that. Oh, thanks so much. And and my pleasure. I mean, one of the greatest joys is that I'm so grateful that that suffering was for nothing, right? Oh, yeah. It's not for nothing. It's, 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 it's already helped so many people. And, you know, honestly, if I had to go through that to just even help one person, that yeah. would have been worth it. Yeah. Well, the suffering is never for nothing. You know, it's really about finding that meaning in it. And like you said, our, our struggle can be our biggest blessing and our biggest um, lesson giver. So um, thank you so much for your time, for your generosity. And I know you're just going to keep killing it with this book. And you guys definitely check out her her new book, The, the Paleothyroid Solution. I love it. It's actually a really pretty book too, which I appreciate. <laughs> a nice looking <laughs> book. Well, you know, actually, that was one of the things that it, as you, if you look through the book, it's, a, it's a, like a beautifully aesthetic book and yeah. wonderful photos of my favorite place, which is Hawaii. And, and I wanted it to be like a pleasant, lovely journey and like visually great for people to read because often when you're hypothyroid you're so depressed right totally it makes it fun to read so well i i love what you're up to keep doing it and um you know i i'm excited to have you back on i'm sure in the future for your next coming projects i'm sure you'll have but um so so thanks again and have a wonderful evening and we'll see you we'll talk to you soon thank you you too I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. 
North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.